When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. It's just gone one o'clock here on SENZ. This is the Rugby Run on your Sunday afternoon. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. G'day, Marshy. How you doing? Good afternoon, Ricardo. Good afternoon to everybody joining us for the uh, Sunday Rugby Run. Um, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I spent uh, yesterday afternoon in Wellington uh, commentating the Wellington-Hawks Bay fixture there. Uh, afternoon rugby, two o'clock, which was brilliant. Um Meant that I got to the pub nice and early, mate, to, <laughs> to watch the game following, which was the Canterbury Northland game, uh, and um, yeah, had a pretty good Saturday, to be fair. Priorities, mate. Priorities. It's, it's, it's some good pubs in Wellington too, isn't there? It's a good place to to go to, uh, yep. to 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 find a spot to watch footy. Yeah, there is. Yeah, we went to an old school pub called the Cambridge, uh, and um, I went with uh, Grant Nisbet and Ian Smith, and uh, we had a bit of a debrief and a uh, good catch up. But yeah, it's it's not that. Regularly that we get uh, sort of released that early in, in the uh, evening, mate, because usually calling games around 7 o'clock, you know, you're 9.30, 10 o'clock um, at, at night and everybody's winding up by then or they're at a different stage of, yeah. of the day. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was quite good to be able to sit back and, and watch the footy on the TV. Uh, and, um, yeah, if you know Smithy and Nisbo well, there, yeah. there was also plenty of screens with the uh, with the races on as well. I was going to ask you, who won on the punt? I mean, the three of you, I'd imagine there was a fair bit of that going on. Yeah, there was. Yeah, a little bit of punting was going on. Um, I think I sort of broke even on the day. Um, I wouldn't call it educated punting. I'd call it absolute gambling. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. You were, of course, part of the call team on that game uh, between uh, Wellington and Hawks Bay. We were on the chat. We've got our we've got our rugby run chat, and I was saying, oh, maybe we should look at getting somebody out of Wellington uh, to talk mm. about this because it looks like they're going to clean up Hawks Bay. And it was eighteen nil when I said that, and not long after that, it was twenty one eighteen to Hawks Bay. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yes. Commentators curse. Yeah, to a degree. Uh, it was a it was a strange old game. Um, Full of errors, which was uh, really unusual given this, the, the situation with the weather was so good. Uh, dry ball, uh, and again, yeah, sun on your back and, and afternoon rugby. Uh, no dew to speak of. You would expect skill levels to be a lot higher than what they were. Uh, there was lots of penalties, uh, and there were there were lots of errors in the game as well. Um, you know, up over this, up around the 40 mark, handling errors and turnovers. So, 
it was kind of meandering along and then all of a sudden Hawks Bay got themselves back in, into the game and got themselves ahead, which sparked Wellington in a, into life and then they, they got ahead again and then, you know, right at, right at the, the final um, whistle, Hawks Bay had an opportunity with a, a line-out five metres out and, and couldn't convert uh, that and, uh, yeah, Wellington are the team to go through. So, strange old day at the office, really. Not, not, the, not a classic game of rugby, but it was classic by... Still being dramatic. What was the crowd like, mate? Because the you know Wellington uh, rugby fans took a bit of tap um, after they took the shield. You know there was a lot of a lot made of the fact that it was the first time they'd had the shield in thirteen years, and then they the first defences against Waikato was obviously a big game in the NPC shake up as well, uh, and then three thousand turned up, and they they kind of got. Uh, you know, sort of questioned about how how much rugby does mean to them in the capital when when you have that sort of turnout. What was it? Was it a better turnout for the game against Hawks Bay? Pretty similar to what they usually get. So no, by by no means. Even given Wellington's success having the shield, I think that's eight wins on the bounce for them. Mm. Uh, so they're tracking along quite nicely. They've got the shield all secured away. It was a quarter final. Um, you know, I would expect there to be you know five or six thousand more people given the run that they're having uh, so yeah still to a degree disappointing uh, there were some familiar faces in the crowd we managed to spot Adi Savia there with his family watching the game Anonu was there watching the game um, but yeah um, unfortunately uh, the people of Wellington aren't probably getting out as much as what they should to, to support a team that's going very very well uh, I don't know whether the fact that the Phoenix are playing today had an effect on people choosing what ticket to buy um and how popular that game is today. It'll be interesting to see what sort of a crowd they get for that. Fascinating after kickoff to see uh, immediately the grounds people going to work to prepare a, a game uh, for a game after being roughed up by rugby for mm. what fo- footballers' expectations of a field should be like. Um, but, geez, they can convert a field pretty bloody quickly into a completely different um, uh, 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 situation for, uh, for the round ball game. Yeah, it's quite different the way they like the surfaces, eh? you know, football tend to like the grass yeah. a little bit shorter and they like the, the field to be wet and rugby like it to be dry so it doesn't tear up and they like the grass a bit longer so you've got deeper root structure so the scrums don't tear it to pieces. Well, that's, it's fascinating, isn't it, Ricardo? Because it's, it's, a, it's a big part of your, your mentality as a player when you go along, um, particularly when you're not at home and you're not as familiar with, with the match conditions and you look at the heaviness of the field, you know, that affects what what studs you wear. Um, you know, you look you look at some fields have slight slopes on them. Remember the famous one in Hamilton, the old uh, the rugby corner down there? Um, and, and lots of lots of fields are different and, and, and then they do vary. And, and um, you know, they, they are all part of conditions and, and everybody gets the opportunity to, I guess, dictate them, particularly when it comes to football. I remember when I first moved over to the UK and I got take, taken to um, watch a Hotnam, uh, Tottenham Hotspurs game and, it was an absolutely outstanding uh, occasion. You know, they were, playing, they were playing Fulham and it was a bit of a, a local derby, but it was a beautiful afternoon uh, in London and I was sitting there waiting for the game to start and all of a sudden the sprinklers came on and um, <laughs> they, complete, they completely saturated the field. And I said to the guy I was with, I said, what, what the hell is going on here? And he said, oh, our players, we like um, to play uh, our style of game with the ball coming skidding on. And I said, I don't, how, how can you... Like you're actually affecting the way that the game's being played by, uh, you know, doctoring the conditions at the last minute. 
And he said, yep, no, we're allowed to do that. So I was, that was that action. <laughs> yeah, bit of an eye-opener, mate. Bit of an eye-opener. I'll tell you the other... Well, imagine if you could do that in rugby. Yeah. If, if you were a side that like like Canterbury, who have a very, very good um, forward pack, that you and you just wanted to play in really difficult conditions where the game becomes a grind and it's played territory scrum line-out-wise, and you were able to saturate the field so that the ball's like a cake of soap before the game, you're completely manufacturing the game to your strengths. Mm. If you're, it's fascinating to think about, isn't it? Yeah, I tell, you, I tell you what, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Of course, you, we saw your Cantabs uh, take on Northland as well after that Wellington game against Hawks Bay. 23-16, they ran out winners. Mate, that's a, I, I know that Northland gave you a good hurry up last time uh, in the round robin, yeah. but you, uh, this was even closer. Were you, uh, you surprised by that? No, I wasn't. I was actually on um, the breakdown for Sky uh, last Sunday, and we we did our predictions. And uh, they asked me if you know if Canterbury were going to win, and I said I think Canterbury will win, but they certainly won't have it all their own way. Um, you know, commentating that first game that they did uh, that they played, and and seeing how good a side Northland are, and they're very well balanced. They've got ambition to play. That I said. They won't. They won't go away quickly, and they'll they'll stay in the fight. And they've got plenty of talent. So, I wasn't surprised to see it as, as close as it, what it was because um, they are they are a good outfit, and they didn't disappoint. You know, Canterbury are in some sort of rhythm at the moment, but um, Northland can be really proud of their season, but also the way that they fronted. It's never easy to beat Canterbury on their home patch in any environment or in any day, um, regardless of beating Canterbury or the Crusaders or whoever. So. Yeah, they, they were in the fight, and I did, and I expected nothing less from them. They are a good side. Yeah, very good side. Uh, Graham from Christchurch is on the phone. He's called through 0800 150811. Uh, Graham, what did you make of the game? Were you there? Oh, of course I was there, Ricardo. Yeah, um, yeah, and no, I agree with what Justin said. I um, I thought it'd be. I thought they were going to be tough. Um, a lot of people thought, oh, you know. A walker, you know, you sort of get the general feeling, you know, seven dollars at the TAB Northland or whatever. But I, I don't take much notice of that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the score flattered us a bit in the round robin against Northland, but um, yeah, they, they came to play, and you know, that was uh, a tough watch from a Canterbury point of view because I thought <laughs> we, we could get tipped up here, but they just did enough. You know, I thought Fergus Burke played well again at first five, and. Um, the two halfbacks, Mitch Drummond and, and Willie Hines, but you know they, they they took it to us up front, and um, yeah, no, we made a few mistakes, and you know, and they 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 you know they played rugby, they didn't just feed off our mistakes, but yeah, no, I mean it's been a good competition this year, and yesterday, you know, the the crowd got its money's worth, you know, it wasn't wasn't one way traffic. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly think Graham, the other the other. Thing that I noticed, uh, having watched the game, and I obviously couldn't hear it, but I could see it, was that that Canterbury have this uh, ability like no other side when they need to go to something when the game is tight. Uh, that 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 then that is the scrum. Like, yeah, time and time again, I saw them push Northland off their own ball, and they had Tonga um, uh, Fussy and Co playing, and they had pretty formidable. But Canterbury just have it as such a weapon, and it gets them out of jail quite a lot, but it's a yeah. valuable weapon to have. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, guys like Tomite Williams, you know, he's gone up a mm. gear or two this year, and then you got Owen Franks back um, coming off the bench yesterday. So, um, you know, yeah, they're super international level, super rugby level props. I mean, Northland did, yeah, had, had their boy, the All Black and Blues player, 
off a off a plane. Um, yeah, but yeah, the Canterbury collective, um, yeah, mindset like, but like the Crusaders, yeah. If you if you're gonna win an ugly, you know, it's about winning, you know, as you know, Justin. And um, you know, yeah. you you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do, and and that and that's a good fallback position if you, you know, and that's what it amounted to yesterday. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah, good stuff, Graham. Thanks for your call, mate. Uh, appreciate no, you listening. Go you well, boys. Good afternoon. Yeah, yep. will do, mate. It's 11 past one. Hey, Justin, just before we uh, uh, get to Ken Laban, I just want to double-check with you, given that Northland were playing Canterbury yesterday, and I was looking for the name Goodhue. Uh, Jack, where's he at, do you know? Because I know he had an injury, but they thought he was going to get games in the NPC and could be in the mix for the end of year tour, but I, I've not seen him the last three or four weeks. No, and I'm unsure as well. Uh, I certainly saw that um, same dialogue and uh, on the fact that he was going to get some game time and that. But um, yeah, it must be more niggly than mm. than what we know. So yeah, unfortunate because you know, really, really good player and somebody. Yeah, like you say, I think Graham mentioned a few there too that I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, if good he was fit and available, I thought he probably would go um, on that AB's fifteen, but. I don't. I don't discount the fact that they um, probably. I reckon will be looking at Fergus Burke. Mm. Uh, he's been bloody solid, and he can. He can play twelve as well. Uh, and to Mighty Williams, um, mate, I need to get on his diet. Whatever he's on, <laughs> he's, I need to get some of that stuff because he he has dropped some kilos. He is looking just much leaner, much more mobile. Uh, and and he to me is um, he, he is. I reckon he's a shoo-in to go on that trip, absolutely. So, yeah, I think some players have really, uh, during the NPC, have really thrown themselves into the framework for not only Super Rugby contracts, but also that next level off the All Blacks with this team that's going over there uh, in November. Yeah, yeah, but we'll talk more of that at 2 o'clock when Sir John Kerwin joins us. We're going to um, have a have a talk about what those two squads might look like with him after 2 o'clock. Uh, we're also going to uh, cap uh, yesterday's games in the uh, Rugby World Cup with Sam, by the way, uh, English journalist who's here uh, covering the game uh, for the UK. Uh, up next, though, uh, we're going to head to the capital and Ken Laban, and uh, we'll talk to him about that game yesterday and also the game uh, he's calling today between Waikato and Bay of Plenty. 18 past one here on SENZ the rugby run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you and joining us now is the man who is calling the game in the Waikato today uh, between the home side and Bay of Plenty. Ken Laven, g'day Ken, how you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. Nice to be on your show. Yeah, thanks for coming on, mate. You've got a cracker on your hands. If last week thing anything to go by, 35-34, uh, that game last week, you reckon you're going to see uh, much of the same? Yeah, well, obviously that game is an indication of how close the two teams are. It's probably reflections of how the quarterfinals gone this weekend, hasn't it, with all the games um, being thrillers with either team both um, capable of winning going, uh, going into the final minutes of all three games so far. So, um, good to see you. That Canterbury-Northland game was pretty special. What a year it's been for Northland. Yeah, been a massive year for Northland. They really seem to have turned things around. Uh, they've got a great crop of uh, of young players coming through, Ken. I just hope they can hold on to them and build from here, eh? Yes, exactly. And that's going to be the reality for them if they've got the money and the resources to be able to retain uh, the roster. But it's a challenge everyone faces. Hey, Kenny, I, I just wondered how much you did catch of that uh, Wellington... A game against Hawke's Bay, and, th- and this is by no means um, meaning to d- disrespect Wellington for for their victory, but 
Hawks Bay, to me, they're, they're a side that you've commentated on plenty and you've seen a lot of in the last couple of years. They had the Shield as well. But they seem to really seem to have dropped off the pace big time. Is there a reason behind that, do you think? They've got too much talent for the results I've been getting recently. Yeah, well, I suppose the big, their biggest loss is Ash Dixon, the captain, uh, the hooker, mm. uh, the, the physical leader, uh, the organiser of what's probably the best line-out drive in the country. Um, that they've got going, that, you know, he's the calm, he's the calm head in the storm, um, and he's the wild man when you need to throw your weight around. Um, and you don't, you know, those are special, those kind of players, most years, you know. Um, and if, you know, if we're trying to find, you know, one reason or trying to find one, one factor, I know it's a collective, but, uh, but his, his absence is a massive um, one given, you know, given obviously his experience, his leadership and his captaincy of the team of the last five or six years. Yeah, absolutely agree here. You do miss players like that. And they also have a way of, I guess, in tight contests, galvanising a group. And I think they've missed that experience. Um, speaking of experience, Auckland brought a bit, bit back against North Harbour. Many fancied North Harbour in that game. Were you surprised by that result? I know it was pretty dramatic. Um, Harry Plummer clutching it at the finish. But uh, many thought Harbour would win that one reasonably comfortable. But they didn't. Yeah, well, yeah, well like you might know, I don't like to disrespect uh, other teams as well, but that back three of Sean Stevenson, um, Javita Lee and uh, and Mark Talia, um, they would be close to the best back three um, in, the, mm. in the Bunnings NBC. Their ability to return the ball from the backfield is special. Uh, nobody's going to beat Javita Lee as a top try scorer um, for the year, and they're, and they're now out of the competition. He's that far ahead. I think he's sitting on... 12 next group of players are on nine, um, and they're so good. And of course, Sean Stevenson, I'd be surprised if he's not there or thereabouts in that all black 15 um, as well. And I thought that if there was going to be an X factor that would separate North Harbour from the pack this year, it would be their back three. But you know, Auckland were able to um, nullify the threat that they were and uh, hang on and get the job done. Uh, Ken is a man who loves both uh, overball codes. There's a lot of talk about Sean Stevenson going to the Dolphins, um, or being, to, you know, having conversations with Wayne Bennett. He was over there what a couple of weeks ago for a couple of days. How do you reckon he'd go in the 13 man? Yeah, well, to my knowledge, he's never played rugby league, uh, so that would be it um, would be a challenge uh, for him. And I've been commentating Sean since he was a 15 year old at Auckland Grammar during our coverage of Landover over first 15 right the way through. To, um, to, where, to where he's playing now. So he hasn't had a season or hasn't had any experience at, um, at rugby league. And if he was going to play or front a fullback uh, rugby league, he's in some pretty elite company when you consider that um, you know, James Tedesco is over there to Woolwich at Manly, Latrell Mitchell at South Sydney. Um, and you've got Joseph Suwali as well, who's some say is going to be a fullback in, uh, in first grade in the next few weeks. So, you know, I don't think that Sean would be at that level. I'm not sure, you know, if that's the best thing for him to do at this stage of his um, of his career. Um, because, you know, I would have thought that, to me, I look at Sean Stevenson, there are no weaknesses in his game. All he's lacking for in terms of getting elevated to the next level is an opportunity. Obviously, he's not going to get that if he goes to rugby league. You've got your pulse, Kenny, on uh, the NPC, on obviously our through doing a lot of the college uh, rugby as well, on, on our growth in the game and our talent coming through. 
uh, in any of that young talent uh, that you see and have been seeing so far this season that you think could be bolters to go on that All Black 15 um, that Leon McDonald's coaching and the, and the All Black selectors are selecting? Gee, I don't. I, I, I don't know that I don't know that they would be bolters, uh, mate. I think that there's an obvious. I reckon that there is an obvious look to how that All Black 15 um, is going to put together, and I think it's going to be, you know, there's going to be those that are not going to get regular, not going to get regular time um, with the All Blacks. So what would we do with Peter Fetter? Should he go with the All Black team or should he go in the All Black 15? So that would determine whether or not a bolter comes through for that. You know, what are they going to do with Longitrevis Hashik? Is he going to be in the All Blacks, or should he go on the All Black 15 and play two full games um, as well? So, you know, I don't know the answer to those kinds of questions. But I would think if they were picking a strong All Black team and a strong All Black 15, I wouldn't think that there's room for too many bowlers that we don't already know about. How much do you know, and what do you think the chances are for young number eight Peter Lackey from Wellington? Well, maybe he's young. So, so, so am I, but he's young and it's his first year. Um, interesting to see how he goes in his second year. Um, but, you know, is he, um, is he better than Hudson Satutu? Um, is he better than Akiri Oane? Um, is he better than Jacobson? Uh, my answer to that is at this stage, no. Is he an exciting kid? Yes. Has he got a big future? Um, yes. Should we take him in the All Black 15? Uh, well, if they were going to take a couple of kids, maybe, but um, I don't know about throwing him in, uh, throwing him in too early when he hasn't really mixed it at Super Rugby level. Um, and I'm not disrespecting the the Bunnings NBC, uh, but it's not quite the same intensity or pace that he'll be required to play at if he goes to the next level. Um, we don't even know if he can force his way into the starting lineup of a Super Rugby team yet either. So I know there's been selections like that before. You know, Rico Ioane, you remember, went straight from Auckland Grammar to the New Zealand Sevens team. Damien McKenzie was fast-tracked as well. So I know there's always exceptions to the rule. But it would be my view that we just need to take it easy with him and see how he goes in Super Rugby. You mentioned RTS before. Uh, The the, uh, story seems to have been that... uh, Ian Foster's picked the phone up and asked Auckland to play him at 14. Um, it feels to me like a, maybe not a failed experiment, but experiment. But he just feels wasted uh, out there. What's your take? Yeah, well, I think he primarily came to play in the midfield back and backs and came to play, um, you know, New Zealand rugby and the Blues, you know, they're not going to spend the kind of money that was required to get him across and not play him. So now I guess they're going to try to find a spot for him um, in the team, but you know, if you talk about 14, have a serious conversation about um, about 14. Well, our two best 14s in the game are Sevu Reese and um, and Will Jordan. I don't think you get any argument um, against that. And Rogers older than both of them, so um, mm. I don't know if it's a failed experiment. We all want we all want him to be the kind of player he was in rugby league and rugby union. Um, yeah. You know, that's what our, I guess that's our measure of a success. Um, for that exercise, and we still haven't seen that. All right, just finally today, mate, you're uh, you're there commentating. Uh, what's what's the weather like? Is it a nice day? And um, what's your prediction? Where's where's this game gonna? Uh, how's this game gonna play out? Well, I played Bay of Plenty last week, and the score was I think 35-34. 
Um, yeah. And it's all three quarter finals now. This, this weekend have gone down to the wire. Uh, the conditions here are pretty good. It's a little bit, um, a little bit overcast. Uh, as to who I think I was going to win, mate, I've got no idea. Um, <laughs> they're just they're too, just too close. Um, it's too close to call. Uh, and both Ross Filippo at Waikato and um, Richard White at Bayer Plenty both know where I live. So if I pick the wrong team, I'll bring my house down, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good stuff, Ken, mate. Oh, we'll let you go. We'll let you go and get prepped, mate, uh, for, for that big game. Good luck with the call, man. Have a great call and enjoy the match. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. Uh, Ken Laban there with us. Uh, yeah, too close to call. He's, he's not wrong, though, is he, Just I mean, it, You look on paper, and that is that is tough to call. Yeah, it is. I'm just glad being a pundit and, and obviously TV commentator, not many people know where I live. Because <laughs> 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 I'd be standing in line. But, um, yeah, look, it was a... Look, it was a game I felt that Bay of Plenty completely uh, let slip last week. They they were in control of that game. And, you know, Waikato were always going to have their moments in the game. It took them a long time to have those moments. But then Bay of Plenty went super defensive. And they just allowed Waikato to start dictating the game. And um, that was at their, that was at ultimately at their own cost. They, they're such a positive, creative team in the way that they play. And they, they went insular and it really hurt them so you would expect them to come out and, and play with the razzle dazzle that they've got and, and um, you know Waikato are a slightly different outfit they've got a different method of the way that they play um, but I think it's going to be an entertaining afternoon's worth of rugby two sides that again like Ken said very close very close to call who's going to win between the two which is great as a contest and um, yeah it'll be a fascinating encounter no doubt it'll probably could be some drama right at the finish. We do have now uh, no golden point um, in NPC. Uh, so if they are locked up at full time, it goes into two 10-minute uh, periods of overtime. So mm. imagine that, getting getting into the um, dark minutes there, 100 minutes of rugby to try and decide a match. We, we might see that this afternoon. You never know. You never can tell. You never can tell. Now, you mentioned uh, that uh, yesterday after your call with Nisbo and Smithy, there was a bit of punting going on at the Cambridge. Uh, did anybody have uh, Bathurst first safety car appearance, first lap? Because that's what's <laughs> happened. Yeah, I know. I uh, just glanced up and saw that. So, no, we... We stayed away from the cars, and thankfully we stayed away from the hounds as well, and we're just on the horses. But um, yeah, isn't it uh, fascinating that when you get when you get big races, you know the the, the calendar events like Bathurst, uh, you're always guaranteed some entertainment, aren't you? And uh, you're getting it on the the first sort of within the first minute uh, of uh, of the big race, a safety car out, a couple of cars are being dinged up and smashed, and getting patched back together. Uh, that's what it's all about, Ricardo. It is indeed. Greg Murphy, who's but like hasn't driven at this level for what eight years. First time back yep. in the car, fourth qualifies fourth. He's currently running fourth, keeping it in there. Keep an eye on Murph this afternoon. Right. Uh, it's amazing. Great story. Oh, it's just a great story. I know Murph well, um, and um, I'm just so pleased to see him back out at, out at Bathurst and doing well. He's yeah. such a competitor. I'd, you hardly meet too many people that are more competitive than you, but yeah, you know, like I, I had to. I took him on in a fishing competition with Matt Watson, and uh, the first part of that was who could uh, back the boat, boat in the fastest down the boat ramp. And I was like, <laughs> "Hang on, this is a setup." And, they, and whoever could do that got got the uh, electric fishing rod rather than having to wind it yourself. And I was like, 
you're putting me up against the, the, the don't hurt me, how many times champion in supercars yeah. in his field to back, back a boat trailer down into the water. But to be fair, I only lost by a second and a half, which That's, I thought wasn't too bad. That's all right, mate. You, you take that. You take that. Um, we'll, we'll give you more Bathurst and updates throughout the rugby run, but uh, uh, we'll take your calls 0800 150 or double eight double three. the text line if you've got any questions for Justin or I uh, before we hit the Women's Rugby World Cup before the end of the hour. 24 away from two here on SENZ, the rugby run, and uh, Justin Marshall with us. Uh, Justin, uh, had a couple of texts coming through uh, here. Hey, guys, what time is the All Blacks Northern Tour squad and the All Blacks 15 named? Um, that, are they named at the same time? Uh, I know that I'm pretty sure the All Blacks is 4 p.m. I, I don't know when they're uh, due to now that announce that All Blacks 15, so I couldn't answer that. Um, convincingly, but I'm pretty sure the All Blacks is four four o'clock. Yeah, it makes sense to have them both out at the same time, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, the All Black selectors have been busy, uh, and coaches, obviously. Uh, and in fact, we don't actually have All Black selectors anymore because uh, Joe Smith, who was that independent, who who took over from Grant Fox, got uh, obviously into a coaching role with the All Blacks, so it has left no independent selector out there. And I don't know if that's a good thing mm. um, because. I do like the idea of somebody who is on the peripheral and is inputting ideas and giving the coaches something else or a different player to think about rather than, be, rather than being inside uh, from a coaching perspective and, and maybe not getting, uh, I guess, that ability to throw names or throw players in there because everybody's talking about the same, the same type of player. So... Yeah, I'm not, I think they maybe need to relook at that now that Joe's involved in the coaching role, um, and I'm not sure for how long that is. Uh, but yeah, pretty sure that that announcement um, is at four for the All Blacks. But whether or not they've had the time also to to fully pick that other side, uh, I couldn't tell you. Uh, now we also have this one through from Anthony, which I can answer. How many games in New Zealand are you playing uh, up north? Three or four. Um, it should be at least that much. I, well, I I agree. It's actually only two. Yeah, Island A and Barbars, right? So, but Anthony, I think they they probably should have at least one more, shouldn't they, Justin? Yeah, you would think so. But they are two decent challenges. Uh, you know, it was really interesting, wasn't it, talking to Leon last week, the coach mm. of this All Blacks fifteen and um, or New Zealand fifteen, whatever. We 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 when it gets announced today, we actually find out what they're called, which would be a good thing. Uh, but. <laughs> He, um, he he quite conclusively said, he said, look, I know the challenges that are facing us with Razor and the Barbarians, but he said, equally, this Ireland A side, they will be very difficult. They've shown with the players that they brought out here and took on the New Zealand Māori that they are a force to be reckoned with. They've got great depth. They've got some awesome emerging players. Uh, and, and the, you know, the, the guys that are sitting just underneath that starting 23 for Ireland, that next level of player is very, very good. And he did say that that is going to be possibly an even bigger challenge than the Barbarians who have to try and get together and formulate a game plan and, you know, try and try and get a group in, in, in a week uh, under a good mindset to play. Um, whereas, you know, Ireland, they'll be sitting ready and waiting to go.
They will be. Um, a couple of, oh, another crash at, at Bathurst. Uh, we'll update you on who that is in just a moment. Uh, but, uh, Justin, you know, one of the big questions that I think has been talked about for about the last two weeks is Peter Fetter. He's had 50 seconds um, of, of all-back experience, but he's actually lit Taranaki up when he's gone back into Taranaki. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk about whether or not it's going to be him or Damien McKenzie as the third first five with the All Blacks. But for mine, you know, Damien McKenzie's come back from Japan into the NPC and hasn't lit it up at all. Uh, not like the way Peter Fetter's changed things for his Taranaki side when he's gone back in there. I mean, so that that's probably going to be one of the, the most interesting points to see where they go on that front. Yeah, it is. And I think uh, the problem with Damien McKenzie is he's... He's a bit of a in a bit of a situation, unfortunately, where he's not got a regular position. So mm. he's you know he's either moving from ten to fifteen or fifteen to ten, uh, and and he really needs to find you know that that regular game time in a jersey. You know we know that he can play both, but you've got to have a statement jersey, and 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 that's the jersey you're in, unless for some reason or another um, that there's an injury or there's a problem that you slot in there, and uh, you know at the moment it's a bit. I'm a bit unsure as to what his best position is, and probably the the All Blacks are as well. But yeah, I don't think he's uh, by any means any worse a player. He's just taken a little bit of time to find his rhythm at the moment, uh, and um, no doubt that is a, an interesting conundrum that they've been through. Um, personally, look, I, I, I certainly feel I feel that both of them should be in that New Zealand 15. Yeah. There you go. I, I think. I think they know the All Blacks what Damien McKenzie brings for them. Uh, the fact that they can play Geordie or Bowden at fullback or Will Will uh, Will Jordan as well. Um, you know they've got three options there at fullback. Uh, they've got good options at ten with Moanga and Bowden Barrett. You know he probably won't get any game time for the All Blacks Damien McKenzie. So best to get him into that other environment and they'll need his experience along with Peter Fetter and I. I'd like to see McKenzie at fullback and Peter Fetter at 10 and Fakatava at 9 for that New Zealand 15, if I was perfectly honest. Yeah, it's something we'll talk more about with Sir John Kerwin when he joins yeah. us after 2 o'clock. Uh, yeah, but... Oh, well, I look forward to that, Ricardo. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but by how we, me and him had a bit of a ding-dong on TV the other day when we, we started talking about Damien McKenzie and Peter Fetter and which team they should and shouldn't be in. So, in fact, we've got a bet, an on-air on TV bet, going so uh, yeah that, that should be spicy I might I might keep quiet when we talk about that <laughs> I don't want to fire him up again. <laughs> that's the last thing you want to do uh, last thing you want to do oh the man I tell you what uh, I've just had it in my ear that the commentators are absolutely seething at Bathurst because uh, Davy Reynolds has been absolutely taken out by and I'm trying to remember who it was was it Courtney I think it was Courtney. He went off the track and he just drove straight across this big grass uh, part and then literally side on across uh, oncoming traffic and took uh, Reynolds out. They are absolutely seething. I'd imagine this, uh, Reynolds is seething as, as well. I was waiting for a, a Marcus Ambrose, Greg Murphy type stoush, but David yeah, Reynolds is so annoyed yeah. he's not even getting out of his car to, to acknowledge the other driver. So uh, we'll keep you up to date with that. When we come back, we're going to talk some uh, Rugby World Cup. 
It's uh, 14 away from two here on SENZ, the rugby run. When we come back after two o'clock, Sir John Kerwin is going to join us. We're going to talk uh, that all-black squad that is going to be named at four o'clock today uh, to go to the Northern Hemisphere. And we'll also uh, talk to him about what that all-black 15 might look like as well. Before then, though, we do have a, a Rugby World Cup on our own doorstep. The Women's at Rugby World Cup is here. It kicked off yesterday with a triple header at Eden Park. And uh, from the UK, come down here to cover it from the Women's Rugby Show podcast host and presenter, Sam, by the way. G'day, Sam. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Not bad. Just here at day two at Wangere as well. Yeah, so you've, you've gone north uh, for Italy versus uh, the US. We'll get to that, mate. But, I mean, first uh, first day of the World Cup, how was the spectacle for you? Uh, how impressed were you with the crowds that you saw there? Yeah, the atmosphere here, it was building throughout the day, and I was quietly impressed with how... Um, full it was for the first game. I think it could have been easy for um, nobody to turn up for South Africa against France and then it filled through that game and then the England against Fiji game, I think 95% of that crowd wanted Fiji to win and I think it got on England's back as well and then for the the Blackburn against Australia game, the Packer and the National Anthem was goosebumps even for me as an Englishman. Yeah, it's interesting. Something you probably won't know is that there's a, a large a large population of South Africans here in Auckland, particularly, uh, particularly on the North Shore. So that might explain that early that early crowd against the French. Um, I mean, the French, the uh, the Black Ferns, and and the English are the are the three big dogs at the tournament, if you like, the ones that everybody expects to go uh, deep. Um, fair to say that England are the only one that probably played to that potential yesterday. Yeah, I think so. I think, and even then, the first half, England weren't very good. England weren't up to their full potential. I think they knew that, and then they came out second half and did reach that full potential. They played nice rugby. They kind of got, but in the first half, they kind of got sucked into playing how Fiji wanted them to play, because Fiji are the best team in the world at playing unstructured rugby, and England got sucked into that. But then France got sucked into the way South Africa wanted to play, and kind of unstructured, um, a little bit bitty rugby. And then the Black Ferns were, I think, over um, by the situation of, and the crowd and the noise. And then but I think it's all going to come for those three. Like you said, they are the favourites and they're the favourites for the reason. Yeah, they are. I mean, uh, they've also played... Um... Uh, you know, the Black Ferns have played oh, the Wallaroos four times now this season, so they, they know each other pretty well, but they came out of the blocks pretty well, uh, the Aussies. It took the Black Ferns a while to peg them back. What about France then, Sam? Because we don't see a lot of them. Uh, last we saw them was them um, handing us our backsides in the last Northern Tour. Um, but, I mean, I, based off that, I had them as as very much second favourites for this tournament behind England. But, you know, with the bookies and things, they're third favourites and a little bit further back than I expected. Are France just not as good as we think they are here? I mean, they did have that loss to Italy before the tournament, didn't they? Yeah, I think they, they think they probably are as good as you think they are when they play to 100%. But it's typical of the French rugby, the whole, not just women's rugby. You know what the French men are like when they travel somewhere. They're so like inconsistent. They struggle at times and they just make weird decisions. There's been a couple of selection decisions that, a lot of rugby journalists are a little bit baffled by not taking some of their key players and bringing in an uncapped sevens player who made a debut yesterday. She did score, but I don't, it wasn't as impressive as a debut as we thought. I think people thought, but they are as good. But they've had a difficult year. They've kind of restructured their coaching setup to promote their assistant coach ahead of their head coach. So 
he's now the head coach, which doesn't really make sense to a lot of people. But I think they're going to grow into the tournament. Yesterday um, was kind of the start of it for them. And from your take on the Black Ferns, obviously 17 uh, all against the Wallaroos, uh, which is a lot tighter than I think most Kiwi rugby fans had it. They, they ended up blowing them away in the second half. Um, what are your, what's your take on that Black Ferns um, 15 uh, and the reliance, particularly on Portia Woodman, for, uh, for finishing off tries? Yeah, I think obviously Portia is world-class. She's still up there as one of the best players in the world, both 7s and 15s. But there is a slight reliance on there, but there, you also have now have, you have Ruby Tui on the other wing. Obviously, she's, she was a crowd favourite yesterday. Every time she got the ball, the crowd roared like louder than it did all day. And then, so I think there's less of a reliance on Porsche now, but it still is there. But I think for the Black Ferns, they needed to get that win yesterday because, and for the tournament to keep the crowds coming, but for them themselves, if they didn't get that win yesterday, they were going to be struggles for placings going into the next stages. So, like I said to France, it's about the Black Ferns growing into competition. They're not going to lose the World Cup in this group stage. They're going to lose the World Cup by playing poorly in a quarterfinal, semi-final or a final. What about um, the Italians then? I know that they're leading at halftime against the United States currently. Um, we, we've mentioned the, the, the big three, if you like, in England, France and New Zealand. Uh, but given that the Italians did knock over the French leading into this tournament, are they a smoky? Yeah, I think so. I think they have the capability to beat all of those Six Nations teams, maybe bar England, but they still England do get run close by France for a good 40 minutes of the game before England blow them away. And I think that's kind of down to fitness, down to England's experience. But Italy kind of have this now to beat teams. They suck them in and then teams don't know how to beat them. I think it, they're doing it to it's the USA at the moment there. USA is struggling to get out. USA's line-out isn't working. And the Italians are they're impressive. It's been a bit of an unstructured game. I think Italy aren't quite performing, but they do have that capability to upset teams. Yeah, all right. We'll be interested to keep an eye on them as the tournament progresses. Sam, uh, thanks very much for your time, mate. I know you're, uh, you're reporting on all these games as they go and the, the second half is underway, so we'll let you get back to the United States versus Italy, mate. Uh, enjoy the rest of your stay. No doubt we'll talk again and uh, keep up the good work on the uh, Women's Rugby Show podcast. Cheers, thank you. Cheers, Sam, by the way, with us out of the UK. We're a couple of minutes away from uh, 2 o'clock. Uh, Justin, we did have a text come through from Ken who said uh, that All Black 15 t- is announced tomorrow and he reckons there's a couple of bolters going to be announced in that team. Um, I mean, if you had to pick who a couple of bolters might be, uh, where would you be going? Well, probably you'd be looking at the midfield. No. Uh, I think that's an area of concern for the All Blacks at the, with Jack Goodhue being missing and Anton Leonard-Brown with his injury troubles in the past couple of years. Uh, it's left left us a bit thin. So you've got to think about who, who has shown form, not only just recently, but over a calendar year or even longer is, is preferable. Um, I have I have heard that they are interested in Levi um, Omoa uh, yep. from, from uh, Tasman. So it'll be it'll be very interesting. Also, he played for um, Wana Pacifica. So uh, you could call him a bolter because that's come out of nowhere. He's not really been involved in you know, any... Uh, other sides of note, uh, so that that, that could be uh, a point of interest. Um, I would again think that if they are looking for the future, uh, I've certainly been impressed with some of the young locks going around at the moment. The likes of Zach Gallagher, 
uh, and Fabian uh, Holland from Otago. Mm-hmm. I would consider both of those guys to be bolters, probably. Yep. Um, and um, um, to Mighty Williams and and again, Fergus Burke um, doesn't seem to be doing a, a lot wrong. So I'll throw those guys into the mix. Um, and and you probably wouldn't say that they are they, they won't raise some eyebrows if any of them are picked because. Yeah, they probably have come out of obscurity to a degree. Well, I guess the the question then, Justin, is that we've got, according to Selector Marshall here, we've got uh, D-Mac and Perifetta both in New Zealand 15 with Fergus Burke, right? So we've got our three first fives there. Yeah. The third first five for the All Blacks, is that Bryn Gatlin because he's a, a safe pair of hands or do they think that David Harvelli can cover that? Yeah, I, I think they can cover that without taking that third first five and they also have the other two in England. So they can grab them out of that side if they need them. Yeah, now fair point. We'll talk all of this and more with Sir John Kerwin after 2 o'clock right here on the Rugby Run on SENZ. It's just gone 2 o'clock here on SENZ, the Rugby Run, Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you. can tell you that... Uh, 11 laps in, there's been plenty of action at Bathurst uh, so far, and it is led at the moment by Holdsworth from Coulthard, Luff, Moffat, Tander, Russell, Alex Davison, Murph is back to 8th, then Lowndes up to ninth, and Golding is in 10th at the moment. Uh, I think SVG got caught up in some action earlier, so he's a bit further down uh, with Jamie Wincup, I think. The 88 cast currently sitting in 18th, about uh, 31 seconds off the pace. So we'll have to give him an opportunity to get back. But hell, they're only 12 laps through 161 laps. So we'll keep you up to date with that throughout the afternoon. Uh, and we have the Phoenix Live as well from 2.30. Uh, time to talk All Blacks and All Blacks 15s. Uh, the difference between those uh, we'll explain uh, as we go. But Sir John Kerwin joins us uh, to be part of that conversation. G'day, JK. How are you? Afternoon, gents. Now, I've how are we? We're we're good. I've been asked. I have to ask you this off the top: Will Damien McKenzie be in the All Blacks team or the All Black fifteen? I don't think we've got time not to have him in the in the All Black side. You know, I think that uh, you think about who's coming back and where our pressure points are. I think our pressure points are midfield, um, and that that versatile back that can actually make an impact. So I think we missed him dearly in the, um, you know, in the last World Cup because of his injury. And I just think we need to chuck him straight back in there. That's sort of my opinion. I'm watching him come back after Japan. I know a few players have struggled, you know, to, to maybe get back to the level they were after playing in Japan a while, but he doesn't seem to have made the impact at NPC level I thought he would have when you compare him to, say, the bloke he's gunning, uh, gunning for a position with, with Stephen Petafeta. When he's gone back in a Taranaki, they've really lifted with him in there. Yeah, look, I think that what we're seeing is the way I see, um, you know, Damien is actual impact i think he is unique as a player and so coming on you know late in a test match i know he'll hate this because he'll want to he'll want to be you know either a 10 or a 15 probably 15 and he can do that but it's a different attitude you know you settle into a game you play your game he plays 10 and 15 you know and i think that when you play two positions like he does i don't think you can be sort of um you know amazing at both, if you know what I mean. Mm. But I think that when you think about an impact, 
he's the type of guy that can come off a bench when people are tired and just really cut them up. So for me, I'm thinking of it selfishly. I'm not thinking of him as, as our fullback or as our first five. I'm thinking of him as our incredible X-factor impact player that I don't think too many other nations have. JK, where do you think that these all-black coaches will go? Because it is there is no independent selector anymore. Obviously, Joe Smith was that, that uh, guy sitting on the peripheral. He's now inside the camp. Do you think that they will go along the lines of keeping the squad together, knowing what they've got? Or do you think some guys that do need rugby that were in that squad, the likes of Falau Fakataba, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, will find themselves in, in that other side? Or do you think that they will keep them in their environment and still restrict them from playing the rugby they need? Marshy, I don't think we've got time, mate. I don't think they can play with anything. So I think they'll go conservative. I'm actually expecting, you know, two changes. And, you know, I don't think Fakatava should go on the All Black Tour, not because he's not good enough. I just think they I just think they should put him with the, the, the New Zealand 15 and just play him every damn game, you know? Um, I also sure. think that Brad's playing, playing the house down. I mean, you're the halfback, you're the expert in this area, you know, I'm not, but I, I just think that, that's what I'd do. I mean, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, I don't know why he's gone on the wing. Has he lost confidence? Does he not think he can be a world-class um, 12 anymore? Has he got some doubts? You know, and if that's the case, or does he just think he can get back into the football team by covering two positions and that'll get him on the bench? You know, so they're the biggest discussions. I mean, what do you do at your third uh, nine? Because you're wasting your time if Fakatava's not going to play two test matches, aren't you? Yep, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I don't feel that they're finding enough out about him without him actually physically being out there getting game time. And they know what they can get out of Brad Weber. And they they, they also, I think I, I mentioned, even the, the likes of Peter Fetter, and if they decide to put Damien McKenzie in that side, they have them there in the UK anyway, where they can call on them should they need them. Um so, you know, if they feel they need that... Let, I mean, let's, be, let's, be, honest, let's be honest about... You know, let's be honest about this, Marshy. You know, let's yeah. think about this real cold. We're probably looking for players from 28 to 36 to go to the World Cup. Would that be fair? Yes, yep. Right? So we actually don't need them being on the All Black Tour, being from 28 to 36 and not playing. What we need of them is going away and getting really tested against, you know, you imagine if you're overseas and you're playing the New Zealand 15, it's going to be a huge game. And we're going to, guys are really going to be found out because if you don't approach that game like it's an all-black game, the people who you're playing, as far as they're concerned, they're playing the all-black. It's an interesting one, isn't it, JK? I mean, you've played a fair bit in the 14 jersey. What have you made of Roger Tuivasa-Shek? as a 14 in these last couple of games for Auckland, it feels like he, he doesn't get involved enough from 14 for me. Yeah, well, look, I, I don't... I, if I were, this is my personal opinion. I don't think he offers us as much on the wing as he does at 12. I love his feet at 12. I saw enough early when he was at 12, that outside step of his, those fast feet that he's got, breaking through the line, offloading. You know, if if you said to me... 
um, world class. And look, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck wants to be world class, wants to dominate a position. He's changed over to, to do that, just like Sonny Bill did, right? So he would not be my first four uh, selections on the win. So that's why I don't understand the move. I don't think he's got the out-and-out pace of um, Cebu, or I don't think he's got the dancing feet on the wing that Cebu Reese has got. I don't think he's got the out-and-out pace of Will Jordan. I don't think he's got the, the, the incredible power of Caleb Clark. So that puts him at number four for me. Now, at number 12, it's different. I think Geordie's made that transition. But when you think about 12, I'm saying if we can persist with him, if we can play him there, I can see some world-class differences in his play. I don't see that on the wing. Um, once again, is he playing on the wing? Because that gives him, you know, I can play on the wing, I can play 12, so they're going to sit me on the bench 12. I'm going to get some more test time because I cover two positions. I don't know. I don't know what you think, Marshy. Yeah, look, I, I certainly feel that uh, what he needs is he, he needs some direction and he needs his own confidence of what the best jersey is for his skill set and, and he needs to be able to then have the mindset of what he can bring to that jersey. At the moment I'm not sure whether or not he's, his mindset and his individual um, X factor that he's got is being properly utilised and maybe that's just he's playing under too much instruction but I think if he's going to play 12, he's got he's got to reinvent the jersey in a way that suits his skills, and, mm. and we'll see the best out of him. That's my personal opinion on it. Um, I also wanted to I start agree, with JK. but that needs time, you're, right, you're saying, that need to, that, eh? Sorry, mate, yeah. I agree with you, but that needs time, right? And that's the trouble. You know, yeah. he's had probably the worst luck ever. Came over COVID, didn't get to play. Now we're running out of test matches to see him. You know, and, and he mm. came out the other day and said he's going to stay a long time, so maybe he's going to give his rugby adventure more time. But I agree with you. I think he can bring something different at 12 that yeah. we don't have. Yeah, yeah, and we need to see it. Um, you reckon there are only going to be possibly a couple of changes, so are you factoring into that the fact that when they named their rugby championship squad um, and uh, there was players like... Uh, Laulala uh, and that that were involved. Um, do you then see them still retaining their spots, or do you do you feel that they are going to move in a different direction, particularly up front with the the more mobile prop? Oh, I think they'll take a combination. I think Laulala's under under pressure for sure. I think you know offers under a little bit of pressure. These guys are going to have to pick their game up if they want to be competitive. Yeah. But I think the the new brigade have come in and said, you know, we're not as big, but, man, we can scrum, and, man, we can carry the ball, and, man, we've got some energy, and, man, we don't mind bashing people. Um, you know I, you know how much respect I've got for Offer. I think he's been an amazing um, young man. But he, you, you know what the All Blacks are like, Marshy? Everyone's coming at you. Mm -hmm. And so now there's internal yes. competition, which I reckon is really healthy. Look, mate, the only, the only change I see is in the backs. I don't see any change in the forwards. I think they'll stick with the status quo. I think, um, you know, what Laulala and Offa does, it gives them a different type of front rower. You know, if you're going up against, say, maybe those big Frenchmen or, or the, you know, the, 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 the English front rowers, then maybe you're saying, I'm going to pick a different type of front row for, for 50 minutes. Um, you know, maybe maybe Angus is the guy that's that's probably going to miss out in, in all this and, and you know, I think Angus has has bring something different again. But I think the 
I think it's you know Damian McKenzie, Anton Leonard Brown, you know, and that would be the change because you really what did they take for the championship? 30, 36 or something? They're only taking thirty six on tour, so I can only see one or two changes. I don't think they'll touch the forward. Yeah, no, they're only able to add one. So that's from that rugby championship. It's just how much tweaking they do. I will appreciate you as always on a Sunday. Before you go, we'll have to let you gloat a little bit. Um, Auckland got the job done, mate. Not many predicted that they would, but uh, they managed to beat uh, North Harbour in that Battle of the Bridge. What did you make of that? You would have warmed your heart, JK, I'm sure. Yeah, I did, mate, because I, I think that North Harbour are probably the informed side. Um, I was with the I was with the CEO of North Harbour at Bucks do, you know, and the Battle of the Bridge is something that we're really passionate about. Two really good sides. Yeah. I probably felt that they let the occasion get to them a wee bit. Um, you know, I watched it and I felt that they were dominating in times and just didn't quite um, take those big moments. And then Auckland hung in there and, and um, you know, got to it at the end. But I was a, I was a Northland fan for a long time there, Leighton. <laughs> I'm sure you were sitting sitting there, you know, worrying about it because that was another yeah. game where you wouldn't want to play Northland on a day like that because they've got nothing to lose. But I think they just lost their way early, but then they came screaming back into it. I don't know what, I don't know what Canterbury did. They thought they were in the bloody semi-final already. But, but then also I thought um, it, was, it was a similar game when I watched Wellington play the Bay. You know, the, you thought the Bay were down and out, and then they came screaming back. Um, so, which is a good sign, I reckon, Marcia, because it means you can't relax. Um, you know yep. what it's like in a test match. You can be up by 20 if you relax, you get you get pale. But it, it's good to see that the scattering of players that um, that came back into the into the teams, I, I thought it was actually really good rugby. And, and um, also, you know, teams coming back into it. So it turned out to be really exciting. Uh, JK, just before we let you go, mate, I've heard the rumour that there's going to be a couple of bolters in that All Black 15 team. Uh, if you were going to pick a couple of bolters out of what you've seen in the NPC this season, who would they be? I like I, I like this guy, Puke. Um, I, I think he's been really, really strong. I don't know why I like him. He's just, he's just, um, I, I've just really noticed him. Um, and I think the bolters are going to be where we're a little bit we're a little bit um, short, if you think, you know. If Josh Lord is out for the season and Whitelock and Retallick possibly be retired next year, what are we going to do for locks, mm. right? So yeah. uh, what was that other young guy you were telling me about, Marshy, from down south there? Fabian Holland. Yeah. yeah so I, think, Holland. I, I, think, I, I, I think we need to be a little bit selfish on what we're picking moving forward. So they would, those would be the two guys that might be bolters for me. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. Hey, JK, thanks very much, mate. Go enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday Arvo, eh? Pleasure. See you later. See you, mate. Uh, it thanks, is quarter past two here on the Rugby Run on SCNZ. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. If you've got any questions for us, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or text us double eight double three. We'll get to those next. It's 2.19 here on the Rugby Run on SCNZ. We're a slightly shorter show today than normal because we're going live to Wellington for the Phoenix call with Daniel McCarty and former All-White David Choate. Um, I just saw uh, Marshy, somebody tweet out, go Murph, and uh, yep, sure enough, Murph is leading Bathurst after 18 laps. Call it now. Yeah, I think he's just coming into the pits though, isn't he? So um, 
unfortunately, that's short-lived. Another safety car. Uh, seems to be a lot of carnage there at Bathurst mm. at the moment. But, yeah, he had his name and lights there for a while, I've missed. But, unfortunately, he's going to have to jump out of the car, I think, or uh, get it. But it's good to see. Good to see indeed, mate. Good to see indeed. Hey, we uh, have uh, a few minutes here just to talk about that that All Black 15 uh, team that is going to be announced tomorrow, we're hearing now. Um, so, I mean, a, f- a few other options potentially in midfield. As JK said, you know, midfield is an option. We saw Braden Enor limp out of the Canterbury game the other day. We've mentioned that we haven't seen Jack Goodhue for a bit. Um, Anton Leonard-Brown is coming back from an injury. So all that depth that we had there sort of uh, seems to be a little thinner than it should be. What, what about somebody like Thomas Umunga Jensen or, or Alex Nankerville? Do you think either of those guys are in the, in the mix? Well, I certainly think uh, all of those people are very much so in, in the mindset. Now, but like I said, being the All Black selectors uh, or coaches, I should say, I keep calling them selectors because they are, <laughs> um, but because they are picking this side, uh, because they are picking it, uh, and Leon McDonald's coaching it. Um, you know, they they obviously know what that next tier of player would be, given they had massive injury crises in all positions, so they would know. You know who who sits underneath the current three halfbacks that they're choosing. They'll know who sits underneath the current centres that they are picking, um, outside backs, etc. So, yeah, absolutely, it, it's it's a picking order, I guess. Um, you know, the 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 Maori, uh, obviously had their their games against Ireland, um, and players that played and and that certainly impressed. Uh, you know, it's just about how far they want to push the envelope out. You know, do they want to go for some of that real youthful young talent? Mm. Um, where you're looking at the likes of, I don't know, Ruben Love, who who went pretty well when he, he got his opportunity in the Māori. He's obviously a guy uh, for the future. Um, you know, whether they, they don't feel that they um, want to know anything more about Brad Weber and TJ Perenata, uh, they want to have a look at some of the other halfbacks like Cortez Ratanama and that around. Um, it's just where they feel they need to put the side in terms of growth uh, or where they feel they need, like JK said, that, that next tier of player getting game time, finding out about them in the UK in those conditions and environment should we run into problems, you know, like we have done at World Cups before, you know, we've lost, Jesus, that's how the Beaver story <laughs> came out, didn't it? Because, yeah. you know, we, we, we lost all of our, our playmakers, you know, we lost Carter. Um, I think Nick Evans was another one that was in the side at that stage. They lost him and, um, you know, that's how he, that's how he got involved. So you, you need to, have your backup plan should there be a major injury uh, issue in one particular position. Yeah, exactly. And and that's obviously, uh, given the injuries we've had in midfield, is, has, has brought that to the surface. I, I guess the other question is, and you know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier with Ken Laban about Sean Stevenson. Um, he's been in Redcliffe. He's been spotted talking to Wayne Bennett. He's, you know, he's obviously had a bit of a chat. They've got in his ear enough that he's gone over there to check it out. I mean, if you're Sean Stevenson... If I, I put myself in his shoes and I like, I go, well, Geordie's just signed through to 2025. Damien McKenzie's mm. back. Will Jordan's probably the best fullback in the country. Do I hang around? Or do I take the money and run? Yeah, well, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and a lot of players need to make those decisions, don't they? Uh, I think what some of these young players or that, that, that crop of players that are sitting around the peripheral of the All Blacks have to recognise that this is going to become the middle of next year quite an old All Black side. Mm. Uh, you know, if you if you, if you you went through that squad, you know, you, Bowden Barrett's in his 30s. Um, 
Richie Moonga will be 30, I think. Uh, you know, we, we, we certainly know that the halfbacks are in, in the same zone as well. Um, Aaron Smith, Whitelock, Retallick, you mentioned them. Uh, you know, a lot of those players won't be there uh, come, you know, 24, 25. So you've got to kind of say, yeah, if I just bide my time, I keep playing well, you know, then, then I'm there. I'm that next cab off the rank. So uh, that's something that someone like Sean Stevenson needs to think about. And he's a versatile player. He can play on the wing. He can play fullback. Uh, and they, they, he could find that jumping ship now might be just a little premature because he could find uh, himself named in that side. Um, if the All Blacks are smart, they'll tap him on the shoulder. Uh, and say, hey, you, you're very, you're in our plan, so don't be going overseas. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember um, throwing, throwing a few, uh, going back a few years, I remember when John Gallagher was the the all-black fullback. I mean, this, that's how long ago this is. And there were a couple of up-and-coming <laughs> yeah. youngsters and Daryl Halligan and Matthew Ridge that couldn't get a look in, so they both went and signed a league, and about two weeks after they did, right. Gallagher did as well, and all of a sudden the top three fullbacks in the country were gone. Yeah, yeah, and and look, we we always profess to have amazing depth, and we do, which makes all black and New Zealand rugby in general so strong that uh, you know you can't you cannot afford to sit back because somebody will want time in that jersey, and when they get it, um, you know it can, it can be ditch for you. So yeah, absolutely, a uh, lot to look forward to in this announcement today and the one tomorrow. Indeed, uh, a name that's just come through that's been thrown at us is AJ Lamb. Yeah, he's had hell of a season, mm. and and consistently over a couple of years. So I think he'll definitely be in the frame. Yeah, I think he'll be there or thereabouts. Good stuff, Marshy. All right, mate, I like uh, the way your afternoon's looking. You're going to be sat there with Bathurst <laughs> on one TV, Waikato Bay of Plenty on the other TV, and uh, probably yeah. just bring the keg up from the basement, eh? Good idea, Ricardo. You've read my mind, mate. <laughs> Nothing like a good with all the sport on TV. Indeed, mate. Go well. Thanks again for being with us on the Rugby Run. Marshy, have a great afternoon. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. All right. Coming up uh, for you shortly, we're going to cross to Wellington, and it's going to be Daniel McCarty and David Choate, the former All-White, with a call from uh, Sky Stadium as the Wellington Phoenix start their A-League season against Adelaide United. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.